Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. The truth is the most convincing story that maps onto reality, and that's why the central narrative is falling apart. Right now in the United States, people should not be walking around with masks. While elections are sometimes messy, this was a secure election. The founders began the fight for human liberty and self-governance, and it's up to us to finish the job. I tell you what, we are in a truth emergency right now. This is the end game. It's Tuesday, May 17th, 2022, the 482nd day of dystopia. I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. Before we get started, I want to remind you, as always, about the great American patriot, Mike Lindell, and his great American company, MyPillow.com. You can go to MyPillow.com right now, type in the promo code REASONABLE and receive up to 60% off items all across MyPillow's store. They also have buy one, get one free specials right now. So if you want to make your home, your life, your individual person more comfortable, go to MyPillow.com. They will give you a free gift with your purchase. Use the promo code reasonable. You'll be supporting this show. You'll be supporting the great patriot Mike Lindell and his great American manufacturing company. So there is so much going on today, some of it very important, some of it more distraction-oriented. And on the distraction-oriented side, we have Joe Biden going to Buffalo to visit the site of the tragedy over the weekend where a self-described 
leftist and white supremacist who is scared of COVID took an AR-15 into a grocery store and shot a bunch of people. And was he known to law enforcement before this? Of course he was. Is this being used and exploited for political gain by the Democrat Communist Party? Of course it is. So just on that alone, the incident has some aspect of a false flag. Now, once again, saying something is a false flag is not the same as saying the event itself did not happen. The event itself can totally happen in reality, and the event can still be used as a false flag. And of course, that's what it's being used for. We are told that this was because Tucker Carlson told this Peyton Gendron or Gendron or whatever it is about white replacement theory. And that's actually not what Tucker Carlson talks about. I mean, Tucker answers these questions for himself on his show, so I don't need to defend him. But what he's actually talking about is an entire workforce replacement theory. It's not about the color of skin. It's about bringing in slaves who will do the job they are told to do. We are importing 2 million plus people a year and they are being employed and American workers are being replaced. They are also being empowered to vote in our country. New York City already has voting for illegal immigrants within the city. That is something they want to increase throughout the country. They are bringing in immigrants for two reasons to exploit their labor, and to exploit their political power. It is, in every single way, a slave trade. Democrats have talked for years about how this influx of immigrants would change the country's makeup and make the country more democratic. When Barack Obama was first elected, we heard about a permanent democratic majority. And we were told that was a sign of progress toward a multicultural utopia that our betters were developing for us. And as soon as they develop here and they develop it everywhere else, then you can combine it all into one thing. And it'll just be the world's people. There will be no such thing as an American. That's not a conspiracy theory. It's what they told us directly. It's exactly what the plans entail. If you are not in the very special club, then you are just a person among other people. You are a worker out there. You are a human resource and they own you and they will tax you and they will direct your future. The plan is to control what you're able to say, who you're able to see. They want the ability to track you, to track all of your medical decisions, to track everywhere your money is spent and have the ability to turn your money off. So when the stated goals and the stated outcomes of this sort of immigration that they clearly promote, okay? It's not just some random occurrence. Climate change didn't shut off for the four years while Donald Trump was in office, causing fewer immigrants from the Golden Triangle to respond to the root causes, as Kamala Harris tells us. Remember, everybody that immigrates here is fleeing gang violence and climate change. They clearly state they want to change the ethnic makeup of the country, thereby in their world and their construction, their idea, thereby changing the political makeup of the country as well. That has always been absolutely clear. Is their labor exploited? Yes. Is their political power exploited? Yes. 
End of story. So every show in the world yesterday covered the weekend shooting. I didn't because we don't know what the ultimate outcome of all that is. Now, they're trying to set another premise for taking away everybody's guns. They want to further censor the public. We can see what the event is for based on what they try to do with it. And we will eventually learn the details about how and why the event happened in a more granular way, unless they just forget about the story altogether, like they did with the Waukesha Christmas Parade and the subway shooter in New York City. What was that, a month ago? A month and a half ago? Two months ago, tops? And Jack Posobiec's been pointing this out very regularly, which is good that the public has a consistent reminder of this. Now, this narrative doesn't seem like it's going to go in their direction, which means they will probably abandon it quickly. They had shootings in New York and Los Angeles, and I think there was another one somewhere. But this was the weekend of shootings, just mass crime all over the country. 93 more people shot in Chicago. Not talking about that, though. Why not? Did Joe Biden visit Waukesha to comfort the victims of the Christmas parade? Crasher, the guy who drove his car through a small town Christmas parade and killed a bunch of people, including a bunch of elderly ladies. Nope. People didn't talk about the subway shooter for more than two days. So we'll see where this goes. I don't think it's worth a whole lot of airtime to tell you the truth. What are we going to do? Point out how the left is hypocritical once again. Ooh, they're making up stories. Literally all they do is make up false stories about things. That's what they do. That's the plan. That's the program. Lie all the time to everyone. No one's ever going to find out because we're very, very, very smart. And they're all very, very, very stupid. And even if they do find out, we have all the power and they have none of the power. So everything's going to be okay. Just keep on lying. Keep the plan on track. Doesn't matter how many people notice. There's nothing they can do. And that's not working out so well. So we also have hearings about UFOs. And listen, is there a strong possibility of life beyond planet Earth? Even at my most atheistic, I still said that there was a strong probability that life beyond Earth exists just based on the odds. You know, if we're going to assume an infinite universe, and many people don't assume an infinite universe, it's really hard to figure out what the universe is, you know? So maybe there's aliens. Maybe there's UFOs. Maybe we have been visited. Maybe there's all sorts of things. But that doesn't seem to me to be today's key issue. And if it was, they probably would have told us a long time ago. Or maybe they wouldn't have. But it doesn't matter. We're going to go ahead and just wait till we get some some hard conclusions out of that before we begin spending our time daily on aliens. No offense to the alien enjoying community. I appreciate you guys. It's just not my area. And then they've got Anthony Fauci testifying before a Senate committee, and I'm sure that will generate some controversy. And between these things, they can fill out their 24 hours of round the clock, quote unquote, news. And what are they distracting from? That's the question. Well, today there are primaries happening in Pennsylvania, Oregon, Idaho, Kentucky, 
and North Carolina. And the Pennsylvania primaries have been particularly newsworthy because Kathy Barnett, who is by everything we can see with an admittedly insufficient level of vetting at this point, she seems to be the most grassroots, the most genuine MAGA. Certainly it's not Dr. Oz and certainly it's not Dave McCormick. Dave McCormick seems like he's toast, but there's a lot of election fraud in Pennsylvania. So we'll have to see how it all turns out. Here is why Mehmet Oz has kind of shot himself in the foot. And this may well sink him today. Let's go to election integrity, because uh, you've talked about this a lot often. What about 2000 Mules? Uh, ha- have you seen the movie? And if so, what did you think of it? I have not seen the movie in part because I literally haven't had a second. Right. My wife, however, keeps nudging me to go watch the thing. Uh, she's got it downloaded. The reality for me is 2020 under the cover of COVID was an example of how you should not run an election. And here in Pennsylvania, people are really worked up about it. I already said on the debate stage, I was the first to say we cannot leave 2020 behind. We have to get under the hood, examine exactly what went down and address those issues. And that means allowing the the legislative branch here in Pennsylvania to finally do its job. It's been blocked by the attorney general who was running for governor. So the current governor and the next governor to be, he hopes, have been blocking due process. Yeah, for sure. So what about Trump in this whole thing with election integrity? Because regarding the 2020 election, you have said before we cannot move on. Uh, so, so do you believe that the two, uh, 2020 election was rigged or stolen? Those are the words he uses. I'm curious. I'm trying to understand what we cannot move on means, just so I understand. Not move on means there are so many different things that happen as you really, really examine it. As a physician, you know, I, I like to get into the details. I've talked to individuals who say their votes weren't counted, went to the polls and claimed that someone had already voted with their absentee ballot. There's so many questions and not just about the absentee ballots, but the fact we don't have voter ID here that opened up the whole system to mischievousness. We have got to understand the different ways where cheating occurred so we can, first of all, identify how much happened, but also make sure that it never happens again. And the voter ID issue is critical here, David, because without voter ID, frankly, it's impossible to tell. And we don't have voter ID because the current governor has blocked numerous efforts by the Republican legislature to mandate that. So with the Republican governor, who hopefully will come in with me, We'll be able to get that done and finally have some prayer of knowing who voted when and why. Right. The, the reason I ask you is because it seems like the delineation point a lot of times is those words rigged and stolen that, that Donald Trump likes to use. Some people won't use them. I haven't he- heard you use them today. So you're cautious on those words or you want to be careful? I want to be careful. Republicans are about fixing things. I, I know okay. for sure we've got to deal with 2020. It's, right. it's, this is, but this is about knowing exactly what the diagnosis is so we can give it the right treatment. Now, to people like me and people who have been paying attention to the stolen election for over 18 months now, that is a very, very bad answer. Okay, that is a very political answer. People will probably try to excuse that answer by saying, oh, I don't want to put off Pennsylvania voters who might be more to the middle and they're just not convinced of election fraud yet. Well, okay, then what you're saying is. You don't believe the people you're about to represent can handle you telling the truth about what happened in the 2020 election, which means you don't respect their ability to discern the truth or to have already discerned the truth for themselves. You're going to say the safe thing because there are some people 
on the center right and the center left who might not vote for you if they hear such talk. Well, who are they going to go vote for? We're talking about a Republican primary here. Donald Trump has upwards of 90 percent approval in the Republican Party. The vast majority of the Republican Party knows that the 2020 election was stolen. And Pennsylvania has a closed primary process. So what are they afraid of? Democrats registering as Republicans and then being offended by Oz's statements about the election if he admits that the election was rigged and stolen and that it's extremely obvious. Like, I understand the political message. I understand the traditional political rationale for the message. I just don't understand the message. We're not operating in that world. Who is this message meant to appeal to? We are not in the the traditional political realm. And Kathy Barnett looks like she may well pull this thing out. And that would be a really interesting dynamic created at that point. Donald Trump has endorsed Mehmet Oz. He has said, though, that he will support whoever the winner is. He also endorsed just this past weekend, Doug Mastriano for governor. And Mastriano has a substantial lead on the rest of the field and looks like he is poised to win the primary for GOP governor nominee today, which would set him up to face off against Attorney General Josh Shapiro, who was heavily involved in stealing the 2020 election. And of course, governor of Pennsylvania would be his reward for that. And he has publicly portrayed that he would actually like to face Mastriano because Mastriano is the QAnon candidate, the candidate who marched with the protesters in Washington, D.C. on January 6, 2021. He's pro-life and he believes the big lie. And apparently Josh Shapiro thinks that would make him easy to run against. Now, Josh Shapiro, as someone who is involved in election theft, should know that Donald Trump won Pennsylvania. There are more Pennsylvanians who prefer Donald Trump to the Democrat Communist Party, and there were in 2020. There especially are now. There should be no doubt. And of course, he would know this. So why does he want to face Mastriano? And that's why I say he's portraying that. I'm not sure if that is for real, because why in the world would Josh Shapiro want the race in the fall to be about election fraud. Maybe Democrats are that bubbled. Maybe they really think they have a majority out there who thinks of the obvious and overwhelming evidence of the stolen election in 2020 as the big lie. Go ahead and make that bet. Maybe he's just very confident that the election fraud system in Pennsylvania will stay in place through this 2022 election. I wouldn't bet on that, but He's welcome to. But the dynamic I want to talk about is this one. Doug Mastriano has endorsed Kathy Barnett, and they are kind of, in some sense, running as a team. And Donald Trump has endorsed Mastriano, and he says that he will support whoever the winner is. So what does this look like if Kathy Barnett wins? What does the narrative become? Did Donald Trump always want Kathy Barnett to win? Maybe he was 
putting Oz out there as an opportunity for the establishment to think they had, you know, somebody who would play ball. That's possible. Maybe it turned down the heat from the establishment in Pennsylvania up until, you know, the last week or so. Maybe that provided some degree of protection for Kathy Barnett. And maybe now she comes in and wins the thing at the very end. Possible, right? It's also possible that Donald Trump wants to make it clear to the public, to the country, to the communists and their media that the people are going to do what the people want to do. And one of the most insulting narratives throughout this entire time is the narrative about how Donald Trump is a cult leader and everyone in the America First movement is somehow just in the cult of Donald Trump. It is a personality cult. Nobody thinks for themselves. They just do whatever dear leader says. That couldn't be further from the truth. And the cult idea is such an inversion of reality in the first place. They believe that an overwhelming majority of Americans are just like them and realized how important it was to go vote for Joe Biden. And so 81 million Americans went out and voted for Joe Biden and said conclusively, the country doesn't like Trump. That's what they thought. And now what do they do? Right? Because they have to prove that their belief system that led them to voting for Joe Biden was not only right then, it's still right. Because otherwise the whole thing would come crashing down and their brains would break. So what do they do now? They defend every single thing that Joe Biden is for. Every part of the agenda, everything that Biden says. If he says ultra MAGA, they say ultra MAGA. If he says the big lie, they say the big lie. If Joe Biden says that Vladimir Putin is responsible for higher gas prices, they will spend hours a day finding convoluted and complicated explanations for why Joe Biden is actually correct about that. And then they will just believe it forever, despite all the evidence to the complete and total contrary especially the fact that gas prices were already through the roof before anything happened with Russia and Ukraine. And the fact that Russia is still supplying oil and gas all over Europe and the European countries are actually bending to Putin's demands so that they can continue that flow of resources. But no, Joe Biden's cult members will still say it's Vladimir Putin's price hike. Everything they do defends Joe Biden's position. And here's the craziest part. Here's how you know they're in a cult. They will spend all their time claiming that they know Joe Biden's not very good. He's just so important for what he represents. And don't bother asking them what they believe Joe Biden represents because they don't know and they don't care. They don't care about the fact that Joe Biden was mentored by a Klansman. They just don't care. Joe Biden is right no matter what, because everybody who's not in the club is wrong no matter what. And it's so important that we never allow any of those people 
to have any power whatsoever. We must support the Democrat Communist Party with the wholeness of our being. They are literally supporting medical experimentation on small children. They are supporting the teaching of deviant sexual identities and activities to small children. They just defended a woman who is lenient on pedophiles to be the next justice on the Supreme Court. They are pro-censorship, so no one can ever dispute their infallible message. And they are supporting actual Nazis while denying that the Nazis are Nazis. Now, are there some crazy Trump supporters out there who have all sorts of wild beliefs? Sure, there are. There's also crazy Broncos fans out there who have some wild beliefs. There will always be people on the fringes of every group, no matter how you group people. Someone's going to have the wild ideas. That does not represent the whole. And the funny thing is, if any of those commies actually tried to learn what America first was, they'd probably just end up supporting Donald Trump. That's kind of how it happens, commies. Open up your little commie mind and allow it to grow. So the America first movement and those Pennsylvanians who are supporting Trump or at least opposing what they now understand the Democrat Communist Party to be may well go out there and vote against the Trump endorsed candidate on the belief that they are replacing that Trump endorsed candidate with someone who is even more America first, more representative of the people in their minds. And they may well be right. So what does the cult look like then if the cult members don't do what the cult leader wants them to do? And then the cult leader is like, hey, guys, good choice. And we might get the answer to that in the next 12 hours, potentially. And I should say, most likely we'll get a result tonight and Trump will very likely respond to that result tonight. But by tomorrow morning, 100 percent. So I'm thinking about this because this is a really, really interesting topic. And, you know, I've talked about this before, but there are people on our side of things that I agree with about almost everything involved in this situation who believe that what is happening is a grand show that people are generally playing their parts as part of a mostly scripted plan. And by the way, I agree that there is a plan. The enemy certainly has a plan to imagine that our side has no plan is crazy. But I also don't believe that that plan is as scripted as they think it is. I don't buy into the kayfabe theory. And again, I got to say, they might be right. Okay. But when you see Pompeo endorse McCormick, when you see Pence go down and campaign for Kemp, if that's not just an act, then we need to understand what in fact that is and then recalculate our thinking about a whole bunch of other things. And again, I understand that they may be right, but I don't believe that Donald Trump has done all this so that everybody in America would just do whatever Donald Trump says. 
And I think if someone asked him that, and maybe one day I'll get to interview him and I'll ask him that myself. But I imagine that Donald Trump would say something to the effect of, I am doing what I believe is best for the American people. If the American people disagree with me, then they should voice their opinion, their belief, and do what they think is best for them. Because ultimately, the awakening and everything that's happening right now, it's not happening in service of empowering Donald Trump and people like him. I'm not sure there are people like him, but people like him forever. And I don't think that most people in this movement believe that they are tools being used in service of advancing Donald Trump. Donald Trump, I think, would say himself, and I'm kind of certain that in different ways he has, that he is a tool for advancing America in the interest of the American people. And my feeling is, and this is why I think what I think, my feeling is that the awakening is what is ultimately being served, right? That is the ultimate way to bring about the will of the people is for the people to understand what their world is, to be informed about what's going on and to be informed about where their individual decisions and actions can have the most impact in guiding the world in a direction toward the will of the people being served, right? So Donald Trump is way up on the priority list, not saying he's not, but above Donald Trump is the awakening. The awakening of the American people, the awakening of the people of the world. And I think Donald Trump would describe it that way as well. Now, the reason I say that is because if the kayfabe thing is in effect, right? If these people are lying to the general public with a wink and a nod to us, right? The, the base, the people who are the most informed, the most committed, the most attentive to what is happening in the country right now. If he is deceiving the American public, like Mike Pence, just just supporting Brian Kemp to look like he's going along with the thing. But really, we're going to find out that he was just playing his role correctly the entire time. This is what he had to do. This was in the interest of exposure. We got the outcome we wanted. Mike Pence is a hero. Hey, maybe, maybe. But I don't think that a an operation that employs kayfabe and deception on that scale is necessary to complete the plan. I think it can happen in other ways without all of this stuff being just for show. So that leads me to doubt that theory right off the bat. I also think that that kayfabe itself, the deception and the trickery would actually harm the awakening. Because whoever is susceptible to that trickery and and unaware of it, they're not going to be happy about being lied to by public figures and then having to turn around and support those public figures. That is not the proper ending for a story about the awakening. Now, listen, if that's how it happens, fine. Okay. I'm talking about ideals here, right? If you are setting up a plan, the desire is to have that plan achieve an ideal outcome. So you will continue working toward the ideal in every way you can. Trickery to me, the kayfabe thing sounds like a tactic that 
would produce far less than ideal outcomes. Now, perhaps those more ideal outcomes have already been achieved and locked in. And so this is just the end of the rehearsal of the plan. And they're just staying on course. Or maybe people like Mike Pence are still busy convincing establishment Republicans that Trump is much weaker than he might appear. And maybe that's an explanation. Again, I'm not saying that that stuff's not possible. I don't know. But if the ultimate goal was the awakening, it was the attention and involvement and activism of the American people for the benefits of themselves, their families, their communities, and their country. The way to prove that the American people have reached or are reaching that point is for the American people to be making these decisions without the guidance of the leader. And this may be the perfect opportunity to show that that level of progress in the awakening has already been achieved. So we'll see. We'll know a lot more about this really interesting topic. I mean, it's interesting to me. We'll know a lot more about this by tomorrow. And we'll see if Donald Trump was actually playing multidimensional chess this whole time, or if he was just really wowed by Dr. Oz as a Senate candidate. Hey, could be either. Now, what else would they like to distract everyone from? Well, one of those things is that the Senate seems poised to pass the bill to give 40 billion more dollars to Ukraine. And that could come by the end of the day. But what is that money all about? Well, Janet Yellen came out and told us to some extent. This is from Reuters. U.S. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen called for U.S. allies to step up financial support for Ukraine on Tuesday, saying that the funds announced so far would not be sufficient for the country's short term needs as it battles a Russian invasion. Ukraine's financing needs are significant, Yellen said in remarks prepared for delivery to the Brussels Economic Forum, adding that the country's government continued to function due to the ingenuity and bravery of its officials. Now, that is laughable. In the months until tax collection can resume at pace, Ukraine needs budget funding to pay soldiers, employees and pensioners, as well as to operate an economy that meets its citizens basic needs, Yellen said. In short order, it will need to turn to repairing and restoring critical utilities and services. While Ukraine would eventually need, quote, massive support for reconstruction and recovery on the scale of the post-World War II Marshall Plan for Europe, the country would have to take this one step at a time. What is clear is that the bilateral and multilateral support announced so far will not be sufficient to meet Ukraine's basic needs, Yellen said. With the war shuttering as much as half of Ukraine's economy, the country requires near-term external financing of about $5 billion per month to meet basic needs, according to Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky and, wait, wait for it, the International Monetary Fund. The European Union on Wednesday is set to propose a new package of loans to Ukraine to provide immediate liquidity, along with commitments for longer-term reconstruction. 
While the short-term package is still being defined, two officials familiar with the discussions told Reuters they expected it to roughly cover Ukraine's financial needs for two months. Yellen called on allies to, quote, join us in increasing their financial support to Ukraine, end quote, as the U.S. Senate moved closer to passing a $40 billion spending package of military and humanitarian aid for the war-torn country. Okay, so the article goes on. Read it if you like. Jenny Yellen believes that United States taxpayer money should be spent on making sure that Ukrainians receive their pensions and making sure that we spend hundreds of billions of dollars. That's what they're estimating it at. On reconstruction of Ukraine for what Russia did in a country who is not our ally because it is so important to America to preserve the sovereign borders of Ukraine. And then when that didn't happen to preserve our democracy in Ukraine, then when that didn't happen to remove Vladimir Putin from power, and then when that didn't happen to weaken Russia's military, and then when that didn't happen, oh, well, it's just to uh, to move money from here to over there. We can't let the pensioners suffer from Vladimir Putin's war of choice in Ukraine, where none of our goals have yet been achieved and we didn't crush Russia's national economy. Now, why are they looking to America for money, right? Why is it our responsibility to pay for what's happening in Ukraine right now? We must have some need, right? We must be getting something for that money. It's supposed to help America in some sort of way, isn't it? Now, we know that in America, pensions were about to go belly up. California and New York, their state pensions were so far underwater, they would have never recovered. And you can't have that when you're trying to win elections in the Democrat Communist Party. You can't let people know that you've actually messed everything up forever. So they took coronavirus relief packages and filled up the coffers of the blue states that kept their states locked down and destroyed their own economies and ran up endless pension debts. So the communists figured they don't want the pensioners upset. Those are our best voters. Those are the people whose Medicare we threaten so that they continue to vote Democrat. We can't let them on to the idea that their pensions are screwed, even though their pensions are screwed as soon as the market collapses. Don't worry. We've got to fund these Democrat communist pension plans. Now, why would we be funding pension plans for Ukrainians? Why aren't Ukrainians funding pension plans for Ukrainians? Ukraine certainly has plenty of oligarchs. There's certainly plenty of corrupt money flowing in and out of Ukraine. Can't they scrape $40 billion off there or whatever it costs to pay their pensioners? Well, no, because we're only supposed to go after Russian oligarchs and take their money. You can't take Ukrainian oligarchs money. That's not fair. Ukraine got attacked. And yes, the Ukrainian citizens, those brave Ukrainian citizens, well, they got 10,000 guns from the comedic actor, and now they're defending the entire country. Those brave Ukrainians are willing to risk their lives to preserve Ukraine. And many other actually brave and innocent Ukrainians have lost their lives, many of them because of the direct action of Ukrainian Nazis. Ukrainian oligarchs, however, were a big part of these problems starting 
They're the people who benefit from Ukraine being one of the most corrupt countries in the world, one of the global hubs for corruption and criminality, much of which is just straight up crimes against humanity, human trafficking, sex trafficking, bioweapon development and experimentation, an ethnic civil war being waged against Russian speaking people in the east of Ukraine. The oligarchs have a role for causing all of that, but they have not had their assets seized. Seize those oligarchs assets, pay for the benefits that Ukraine needs with Ukrainian money, right? They're Ukrainian oligarchs. Don't they care about the country? No, of course not. The brave citizens of Ukraine are armed by the comedic actor and sent out into the battlefield and told, hey, we know you're not soldiers, but someone's got to save this country. We're going to pretend it's you. Now get out there and try not to get shot immediately. But Ukrainian oligarchs haven't been asked to do anything. We're told assets can be stolen from oligarchs all around the world. Russian oligarchs, no problem. Ukrainian oligarchs who are not on the side of the comedic actor, no problem. They'll take their money too. But that money's not for pensions. That money is, you know, just to get funneled around. You got to spread it around a little bit. You got to share the wealth. You got to spread it around. (laughs) Where is Joe the plumber when we need him? So Ukraine's not going to pay the pensions. The Ukrainian taxpayers are not going to be on the hook for the pensions. The Ukrainian oligarchs are not going to be on the hook for the pensions. The American taxpayer is going to be on the hook for Ukrainian pensions in a country where we have no national interest whatsoever, particularly not an existential national interest for something we are told the Russians have done. And now we, the American taxpayer, are going to pay for the pensions and pay for the reconstruction. That is our job. Now, why would it be our job in any moral sense? What are our illegitimate leaders implying to be our moral responsibility that says we owe Ukraine? The United States doesn't owe Ukraine anything. And the innocent Ukrainian people, the civilians, would not be having the problems they're having if not for American involvement. So perhaps that's what the illegitimate politicians are concerned about. Oh, yeah, we owe you. Now, why would that arrangement come into being? Why would we owe them for the war that is being waged over there right now? Well, it's because we started it and because we want to maintain Ukraine as a global central hub for corruption and criminality. When Janet Yellen says this, when Mitch McConnell says it, when Chuck Schumer says it, when Nancy Pelosi says it, when Eric Swalwell says it, we need to give more money to Ukraine. That's because they cause the problem and they still expect to benefit. And if you don't like it, that's too bad. That's what election fraud is for. So over the last few days, the surrender of Ukrainian forces in Azovstal has been secured. This is the Reuters headline from this morning. Surrendered Ukrainian fighters leave Azovstal steelworks. So it is being reported in major world outlets. It is pretty clearly true 
That is not exactly how CNN describes it. CNN says Ukraine declares combat mission over in Mariupol amid evacuation. So, yeah, they got the job done and now they're evacuating because of the resounding success. And it's at that point where you should be able to see clearly that if the surrender is being reinterpreted as a shift in strategy, CNN probably has nothing valuable to say about the subject. So let's go to RT. This is from yesterday. And again, we've discussed state media plenty of times. No one is saying you must believe this point of view. Okay, this is from Russia today. All right. It's going to have a bias, not like CNN's bias toward complete and total fabrication, fiction and false reality, but a bias nonetheless. Here is RT's headline. Ukraine orders Azov stall fighters to surrender. Now, that is a much more accurate headline. The general staff of the armed forces of Ukraine confirmed via its social media networks on Tuesday evening that its servicemen hold up at the Azovstal steelworks in Mariupol have been ordered to surrender. The garrison Mariupol has completed the assigned combat mission. This is the Ukrainians account. The highest military command issued an order to the commanders of the units located as at Azovstal to save the lives of the personnel. The Ukrainian military statement explained, according to Kyiv, while holding positions at Azovstal, its soldiers prevented Russian troops from operating in other theaters. So the Azovstal thing was just a big ruse. It was to distract the Russian forces, which led to their great defeat in other parts of the country. I mean, that didn't happen, but it's better if the Ukrainians and then CNN portray it that way. The two countries have been embroiled in a full-blown conflict since February when Moscow attacked the neighboring state following an eight-year standoff over the fate of the Donbass. A neighboring state? Now that is very interesting. According to Russia, the Donbass is not part of Ukraine. According to the Donbass, the Donbass is not part of Ukraine. According to the global communists, the Donbass is part of Ukraine, and it's worth inciting World War III to protect it. Kyiv insisted that the Azov neo-Nazis and members of its regular forces, quote, had prevented the implementation of the alleged Russian plan for the quick capture of nearby Zaporozhye and did not allow access to the administrative border of the Donetsk and Zaporozhye regions. The president of Ukraine, Volodymyr Zelensky, said that the work on their return will require delicacy and time. Thanks to the actions of the armed forces of Ukraine, intelligence, as well as the negotiating group, the International Committee of the Red Cross and the UN, we have hope that we will be able to save the lives of our guys. I want to emphasize that Ukraine needs Ukrainian heroes alive. This is our principle. I think that every adequate person will understand these words to bring our military back home. The work continues, and this work requires delicacy and time. He stated a large portion of them are members of the neo-Nazi Azov regiment. The military uniforms of the group feature Nazi insignia, and its members have been photographed with tattoos of symbols such as the swastika. Its first commander, Andrei Beletsky, 
has said he believes it's Ukraine's mission to, quote, lead the white races of the world in a final crusade against Semite-led Untermenschen, inferior humans. The first stage of surrender was completed on Monday. 264 soldiers left Azovstal. There are now 53 wounded servicemen in a hospital in Novo Azovsk. I think I got that right. I hope I did. And 211 soldiers in Yelenovka, both of which are part of the Donetsk People's Republic. Russian sources have estimated that about 2,200 people have been trapped in the basements of the huge Azovstal complex. The site is 11 square kilometers long, and its subterranean sections are designed to withstand a nuclear attack. So an underground facility designed to withstand a nuclear attack, and they've been holed up there for a while. Now, if Ukraine was rerouting its forces and this was some strategic surrender, how come those wounded soldiers, those wounded Nazi soldiers were transported to hospitals in the Donbass? And how come the ones that weren't wounded were bussed out on Russian buses? Those people are all being treated as prisoners of war. This wasn't some change in strategy. They didn't successfully complete their combat mission. They didn't make the Russians hold out for way too long. They devoted all their resources there, and now Ukraine has conquered them. It was all a grand rope-a-dope strategy led by the comedic actor. According to the deputy minister of defense of Ukraine, Anna Malyar, and the general staff of the armed forces of Ukraine, those who surrender will be exchanged for Russian prisoners of war captive by Kyiv. However, the terms of the exchange have not yet been decided. Moscow has not yet made any public statements about an exchange. Meanwhile, the Ukrainian side has tried to avoid the use of the expression surrender. And so CNN and the rest of Western media follow suit. After the last Ukrainian soldier leaves Azovstal, the battle for Mariupol will be effectively over and Russia will have gained total control of the strategically vital city. But hey, at least Ukraine got all those other battlefield victories to even out this one. And at the same time, Reuters is also reporting today that Russia says it hit U.S. and European arms shipments in Western Ukraine. And Western Ukraine to this point has not been the focus of much of the military operation. But this is a direct strike against U.S. and European weapons and supplies coming into Ukraine. And Russia has said they will do this if the targets are on the ground in Ukraine. They will destroy them. And again, this does not sound like another Ukrainian success. But the U.S. and Europe continuing to do this seems to be directly a push for a broader confrontation that may well lead to World War Three, which seems exceedingly stupid at this point. They are surrendering around the country but still shipping in more supplies, still wasting more money. And Russia is just blowing all of it up. And here is another subject that they would like to distract people from today. And that, of course, is what's happening at Twitter right now. So first, last night, Project Veritas dropped a video of a Twitter employee being interviewed on a hidden camera and discussing the political climate within Twitter. Here is a little snippet 
from the video that the New York Post has written up. And I would just play the video for you, but it's kind of hard to hear the audio. And without the subtitles, it may just get lost in the background noise. So I think this is probably the better strategy. Siru Murugasan, I guess is the name of the guy. I hope I'm saying it correctly. He said, Twitter does not believe in free speech. And that's a direct quote. It was in no uncertain terms. He knows exactly what he's talking about. It's in context. You can watch it for yourself. He goes on talking about the potential for Elon Musk to be running Twitter. He says, our jobs are at stake. He's a capitalist and we weren't really operating as capitalists, more like very socialist. Marugasan said, we're all like commie as fuck. Those are his words. A Twitter employee saying that Twitter and hey, pardon my French, saying that Twitter is commie as fuck. I think it's just like the environment, like you're there and you become like this commie. They call it California, he said of staffers nickname for woke California. Marugasan went on to say that while conservative voices were returning to the site en masse in light of Musk's intended takeover, staffers have been stress eating and worried for our jobs after a prolonged period where essentially everyone gets to do whatever they want. If you're not feeling it, you can take a few days off. He was recorded saying people have taken months off. I basically went to work like four hours a week last quarter, he said, and it's just how it works in our company. Twitter is not even a business, and I will return to that in just one second. But I got to say, I started calling these commies commies almost two years ago, every single day, because it's the only way to refer to them, because I saw very clearly they are all operating knowingly or not in service of the global communist agenda. And it is a communist agenda. It doesn't matter if rich people are running it. They're not capitalists. They are communists. They build monopolies in conjunction with the state. The state has control over their companies. And in return, they are given monopoly access, monopoly benefits. They just reap all the rewards from everything while the state and corporations together consolidate power and control. That is what Klaus Schwab means when he discusses stakeholder capitalism. That is 100% only communism, only fascism. And yeah, those are part of the same whole. They are not on opposite ends of the political spectrum, no matter how many times they try to tell you. They like to say that, implying that somehow a corporation is necessarily a conservative construct, a capitalist construct, because the corporation is geared toward profit. And so we assume it is driven by greed and we call all of that capitalist. And we believe that somehow because of the existence of the corporation, the existence of the profit motive and the existence of greed, that describing these organizations as a product of capitalism is accurate. And so that means that the corporations are right wing. It's not capitalism if you form a monopoly in conjunction with the state. That is the state controlling the means of production. That's communism. And I got years of heat 
for calling them all commies way too early. Even people on our side were like, oh, you can't call them commies, man. They're not all commies. They're just, you know, they're just voting for Biden. They're ignorant. They don't. Yeah, it doesn't matter if you're ignorant. The system you want is one that is handed to you from the top down where they say, hey, we know what's best for you. In fact, we know what's best for everybody. And so we're going to implement it whether or not you guys like it. And because you don't like it, we're going to take away your right to vote. But we're going to tell you you still have the right to vote. You'll go out and experience something you call voting. And then you'll believe that everyone in your country actually does agree with us. But it doesn't really matter. Because we're going to do the thing that we want to do no matter what. And so if you abide by that and you support that through your own ignorance, that doesn't somehow make you less of a commie. The problem with communism and the adoption of the communist ideology is that you actually believe that someone up there is going to just bestow all of the little people with the benefits of our society. And you, commie, know you'll be just fine. You're lifestyle will not be affected at all. In fact, you'll get to work from home forever and you're going to love it. And hey, it's good that you have enough money to get Uber Eats every night while you watch Netflix now, but just wait like seven years. At that point, you won't have that. But don't worry. We've got a nice little 12 by 12 apartment in a building with 4,000 other 12 by 12 apartments. We got a nice cafeteria downstairs. You can eat bugs. You can rent your clothing. You can get a ride wherever you want to go. I mean, you're not going to want to go anywhere, but you can. We'll even give you the metaverse. You'll own nothing and like it. And at that point, they'll still be like, oh, well, thank goodness I voted for the people that would make everything so great like this for everyone. And then you'll get to spend your day at home looking at the boobs and butts of professional hookers on Instagram. <laughs> you can call them influencers. It's fine. In fact, it's a utopia. So, hey, commies, you're commies. Even Twitter knows it. Twitter's own employees believe Twitter is a communist organization and that they operate that organization accordingly. Their political ideology is spread to their platform. In fact, it is enforced on their platform. It is enforced on their platform in conjunction with what the state wants enforced. Okay. I personally was censored on social media by the California Secretary of State's office. The documentation exists in a judicial watch FOIA. That is a corporation and a government working together to oppress the people. That, my friends, is in fact fascism led by a communist organization. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing how it works? While everyone was telling me I have no idea how it works. Oh, you can't call them commies. It's mean. You're red baiting. <laughs> you clowns. And during my victory lap, I might as well take a little pit stop right here. I also said in the fall of 2020 that the social media companies would crumble down to nothing. They would all be destroyed. I thought it was going to happen faster. I thought it was going to happen within six months. I was wrong about that, but we have always been headed in the same direction. And by the way, I am not trying to take credit for a Q theory. I know that 
the social media companies collapsing under the weight of their own criminality is a Q thing. That is not how I came to my conclusions. And I have said many times that I think the Q information phenomenon is one of the most important information phenomenons in the history of information. I'm not trying to take anything away from that. Okay. And I'm not trying to pretend that a Q idea is actually my idea. I am saying I reached the same conclusion separately. I have done that with the Q community about a whole range of issues, which is why I respect what they're doing so very much. It brought them to the same point, different mechanism, different method, same result. I said they would crumble because of their influence over the 2020 election. The obvious attempts to create election fraud and manipulation. Twitter hid Hunter Biden's laptop. Mark Zuckerberg donated half a billion dollars to steal elections all across the country. All of that was out there in the public sphere in November and December of 2020. And in fact, I called the collapse of social media even earlier than that because I actually read the updated terms of service that Instagram released in the fall of 2020, where they said that if you remain on our platform, an active user on our platform, you are waiving your right to join a class action lawsuit in the future. If a company is scared that you are going to join a class action lawsuit against them, they are doing illegal stuff. All right. That should be abundantly obvious. So with knowledge of those facts, all you have to have is faith that the truth will eventually come out and that the American people are good enough and smart enough to understand it as truth, accept it and apply that new truth, that new knowledge to their lives and to their society. And that is what I've operated on the entire time about all of these issues. The truth is out there. The truth is accessible. We are getting closer to it every day, knowing that we will never have everything right and that the truth will never be complete in our eyes. That part doesn't matter. We are not gods. Perfect information about everything is unattainable. And it might be worth noting that that doesn't stop the technocrats and the globalists and the World Economic Forum people from thinking the opposite, that all the information actually is obtainable and we can operate on that information as soon as our tools reach the level of technological advancement that allows us to. And at that point, gosh, what a utopia we will have. Yuval Noah Harari says that humans need to be redesigned intelligently by humans and by technology. That is where they are headed. They believe the human body is a flawed and mortal form that they do not have to be constrained by. And they believe that they are ushering in the next advancement of humanity where people like them may not have to die. Their consciousness can just continue on and they'll have perfect information to be able to make these decisions. And obviously they're all so perfectly moral that they are sure to make the right decisions. After all, what are experts for, if not to tell us what's right and wrong for absolutely everybody. So I know I haven't gotten to it over the last week or so, and I've wanted to, but it hasn't seemed immediate. Elon Musk has been opening up the conversation about bots and spam and fake accounts and the narrative manipulations, all those things enable. 
And I guess I timed that right because the narrative advanced considerably today. This is from Axios, the elite publication for the busy and simple-minded person. Musk, Twitter deal, quote, cannot move forward unless spam questions answered. So Elon Musk tweeted 20% fake slash spam accounts while four times what Twitter claims could be much higher. And he put the little asterisks around much to emphasize what he means. It's not 21 or 22%. It's considerably higher than 20%, which is already four times as high as Twitter says the number is. My offer was based on Twitter's SEC filings being accurate. Yesterday, Twitter's CEO publicly refused to show proof of under 5%. This deal cannot move forward until he does. And yesterday, Twitter's CEO, Parag Agrawal, put out a series of about 10 tweets talking about how it's impossible for any of the bot or spam account estimators out there to be accurate. There are these apps that people have developed that determine how many followers an account has that are bots. One of them was used on Joe Biden's account, and it found out that 49% of his followers are bots and fake accounts. People have also done screen recordings where they swipe through Joe Biden's followers and every random one they stop on is an account with zero followers of its own. If that estimation is correct, and there's no reason to think it's not correct, Joe Biden has 10 million followers, basically total, little over 10 million followers. That is his entire following 81 million votes and only 10 million people follow him on Twitter. Twitter, by the way, is the platform of the mainstream and the left. We are not allowed on there. Counter narratives are suppressed on there if they're allowed at all. That is literally Joe Biden's base. And he's only got 10 million of them. 81 million votes. 10 million Twitter followers. Could anyone ever believe that? Of course not. It's absurd. But let's see what Axios says. Elon Musk tweeted at 3.32 Eastern Tuesday, 3.32 a.m., by the way, very late at night. He was probably just up all night having some sort of crazy fever dream. Axios. That his bid to buy Twitter cannot move forward unless CEO Parag Agrawal provides proof for his estimate that less than 5% of users are bots or spam accounts. Why it matters. We're going to tell you, child brains, why it matters. Are you ready? Here's two sentences and you'll understand the whole thing. Analysts believe Musk is using allegations that Twitter's user base has more bots than the company's claims to either back out of the deal or negotiate down a price, especially now that Twitter's stock price has plummeted amid a broader market downturn. All right. So because the market is having a downturn overall, Twitter's downturn is just an effect of market forces. It's got nothing to do with all this stuff that Twitter's going through and being exposed about. 
And Elon Musk, he's not stating his true beliefs. He's just trying to manipulate everyone else into believing it. He's trying to drive the price down so he can get a better deal or so that he can back out completely. That's what he's trying to do. And that's all that we need to discuss here. Twitter said in a statement that it is committed to completing the transaction on the agreed price and terms as promptly as practicable. And the next very important Axios section is literally just them quoting the tweet that is pictured literally a half scroll above this. It's incredible. These are the details. Okay. Axios segment headline. I know this seems silly to like nitpick on, but look how they are delivering information to people. Ready? This is the details section. It is one sentence and then a three sentence bullet point. Here we go. These are the details that the audience of Axios needs to make sure they know. Replying to an article that suggested he may be looking for a better Twitter deal, Musk tweeted that 20% of fake slash spam accounts, while four times higher than what Twitter claims, could be much higher. Oh, so exactly what he said in the tweet. Now here's the bullet point. My offer was based on Twitter's SEC filings being accurate. Yesterday, Twitter's CEO publicly refused to show proof of less than 5%. This deal cannot move forward until he does, he wrote. That's the bullet point. So you got the first detail in there and then the bullet point. All of that was literally quoted in the tweet. They just had you read. Catch up quick. Musk has been publicly backtracking on his initial $44 billion takeover bid since Friday when he tweeted that the deal was temporarily on hold as he sought more details on the platform's spam accounts. Wall Street had been skeptical that the deal would go through even before that. Oh, gosh, they're so smart. The big picture. Rarely do deals of this scale and prominence get worked out publicly in such a bizarre manner. But Musk's reputation for spontaneity and audacity has few onlookers shocked at this point. Some are even wondering whether the entire takeover attempt is anything more than Musk trolling Twitter using Twitter. Oh, yeah, he's just trolling by exposing that they have way more bot accounts than what they report to the SEC. Yeah, it's probably just a joke. He's probably just having some fun. Case in point, on Monday... Agrawal wrote a lengthy Twitter thread defending the company's spam policy and explaining how it approaches the issue. Musk tweeted a poop emoji in response. I guess I left that part out when I was talking about it. So thank goodness Axios is here to repeat Elon's tweet four times and then remind us that he put a poo poo emoji at the end. Twitter on Tuesday morning also filed a preliminary proxy statement with the SEC that showed a timeline of its negotiations with Musk. The filing suggests Twitter's bankers advised that it take Musk's deal at $54.20 as it was economically prudent for the company. Twitter co-founder and former CEO Jack Dorsey told Musk that in his personal view, Twitter would be better able to focus on execution as a private company per the filing. Musk told Twitter executives in March that he was considering various options with respect to his ownership, including starting a competitor to Twitter, in addition to potentially joining the Twitter board or seeking to take Twitter private. Next Axios section between the lines. Ooh, this is where you get the inside information. 
Twitter executives are trying to respond as if business is normal, despite the fact that employees are rattled. On Friday, Twitter chairman Brett Taylor responded to Musk's tweet about the deal being temporarily on hold by tweeting, we remain committed to our agreement. Last Thursday, Agrawal ousted two of the company's top executives and paused hiring as part of a push to be more fiscally responsible. Oh, yeah. I mean, I wonder what's going to happen next. Is he going to make employees come to the office for 10 hours a week? He acknowledged the move Friday after Musk said the deal was on pause, tweeting, while I expect the deal to close, we need to be prepared for all scenarios and always do what's right for Twitter. I'm accountable for leading and operating Twitter, and our job is to build a stronger Twitter every day. But apparently it's only his job because his employees don't have to come to work at all. Our thought bubble. Ooh, this is where Axios tells you their opinion. Everything that appeared in the article before this was just cold, hard fact. And now we're going to tell you our little thought bubble. The spam narrative appears to be a ploy to either back out of the deal or change its terms. And it couldn't be anything else, according to the Axios thought bubble. Musk could have requested an audit of the company's accounts and spam policies while doing his due diligence on the deal like a normal investor. Oh, so it's Elon Musk's fault and not Twitter's fault for filing false and inaccurate reports with the SEC. You got that? Stupid Elon, what was he thinking? Trusting Twitter and their SEC filings. Ridiculous. Suggesting the company's filings are inaccurate implies Musk thinks executives are lying to the SEC. A serious allegation. The bottom line, if it wasn't Musk, all of this would be shocking. But it is Musk. So now we're not shocked at all. You see, because Elon Musk, he's just like a crazy little kid who's obsessed with all his toys. He just wants to play with his little remote control cars and fire off his little rocket ships. He just wants to bully all the little smart kids on Twitter because, you know, the left is the smart people. All the people that voted for Joe Biden and never get censored by Twitter. They're the best and the brightest. And they got this little bully, this little imp running around and destroying their safe space. He's just, he's just pushing their buttons. That's all. If it was somebody other than Musk, all of this would be extraordinarily shocking, but it's not because it's only the, uh, uh, oh yeah, the, uh, oh yeah, the, the richest man in the world who pretty much everybody understands as being smarter than them. Yeah. It's just that guy. So, <laughs> and no reason to, uh, uh, take it seriously. Yeah, let's not give it another thought. I mean, that whole thing about what this could mean for Twitter's executives and their SEC filings. Uh, yeah, that's just a uh, uh, shocking claim that I don't think that we really need to address. If it was somebody other than Elon Musk, sure, we would address it and we would think about how this might be an indication that uh, Twitter has been lying to the public and lying to the government and government regulators for, I mean, honestly, years and uh, lying to their investors, lying to their advertisers and doing all of that in service of propagating a completely false narrative about not only politics and the world, but companies for the benefit of institutional investors. And gosh, what a shocking claim that would be 
Good thing it's only Elon Musk saying it, and none of it is probably true. So what does it all mean? Well, it's hard to say. There are very strong indications that Twitter has, in fact, lied to the SEC in their filings and lied to their investors and advertisers as part of that. There are strong indications that Twitter's executives and their board of directors are all white collar criminals who may spend their dying days in prison. But we're certainly not at the point of knowing that yet. Now, I've been saying for a few weeks, I have no certainty whatsoever that this deal will ever be completed or that this deal being completed was even the purpose of any of this. And I have suggested that perhaps the purpose of all this is to destroy Twitter as a corporation, open it up so everyone can see what Twitter actually is. It is simply an information weapon. It is the death star of the global communists in their information war. And this process may take all of them out of the picture. Now, the solution, if Elon Musk is being sincere in his desire for an open public square, an open digital public forum, that the platform could be decentralized and be a clearinghouse for content that exists on other platforms. And my example, and again, I don't know if this is where they're going. This is something that I see as a possibility. This is what I understand them to mean when they discuss this, that if you were following me on Twitter, that would include all of the content that I have being fed to my Twitter from Truth Social or Gab or Getter or Rumble or BitChute or Odyssey or Telegram, perhaps. And that my content, my feed of all that various content would be accessible on Twitter. You would follow me just on Twitter and you would see all my content from the other sites. If you don't like Twitter, then you just follow the person on all the other sites and the content goes in. There is no censorship whatsoever because it is decentralized and the content that people enjoy will be pushed up because of engagement. And just to be accurate here, I don't mean pushed up in an algorithm the way they manipulate things. Now they bring things up in the algorithm. They suppress things in the algorithm. That is what they do. Okay. That's not a conspiracy theory. It's not a myth. It's literally what they do. And the companies incentivize people who supply the content that they want to boost. So I am not saying that I'm saying that the content that has the impact on the public conversation would be based on people approving of and interacting with that content. You would actually just see the feed you want to see. And most people, I think, or I should say many people prefer a chronological feed so that they know when stuff comes up. They see it as it comes up some post that they really would have enjoyed or gained some knowledge from doesn't get buried by the algorithm in favor of content that supports certain agendas. And at that point, by the way, if Twitter just turns into a hub and things are not censored there and the content is not Twitter's to censor, then for all intents and purposes, Twitter is at that point already a public utility. So all that has to happen is that Twitter's company needs to be fully exposed. The executives need to be taken down. The company needs to be 
torn apart to its core and then become an organization that just supports the technology that facilitates the public conversation. I'm not sure there is a faster route to that outcome than exposing what Twitter actually is. And this is only one of the paths for Twitter to be destroyed with litigation. Lying to investors and advertisers is a pretty big deal. Lying to the SEC is a pretty big deal. And a Twitter user named John Rich tweeted this morning, I have to think Elon Musk knew this was the case before he moved on Twitter. He's talking about the bots being way more than 5%. If Twitter lied about how many actual users they have to the SEC, we're looking at a company that has perpetuated fraud on its shareholders and advertisers. Big trouble for the Twitter commies. Oh, there's that word commie again. Can I get in trouble for saying it? No, I can't. I was right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. One of my favorite things to think about is all those people who are like, you're unhinged calling people that. You're crazy. You're just angry. No, I am using the definitionally appropriate word for the concept I am communicating. Thank you very much. Elon responded to John Rich's tweet. Absolutely. Big trouble for the Twitter commies. Absolutely. And again, Twitter is already in trouble in a million other ways for the censorship. That's one of the things the Donald Trump big tech lawsuits and other lawsuits along those lines. Those are still going to develop. I know Trump's case was dismissed. You have to assume that will be appealed. This is not just going quietly into the good night. And Twitter has been used to facilitate all sorts of different crimes, including election theft. They host a ton of porn, some of it illegal. They violate the DMCA and copyright laws all the time. And we will eventually find out far worse things than any of that. And not that I would expect a blogger at Axios to know any of this because that blogger surely gets all her information from the Twitter bubble. But it doesn't matter what you think of Elon Musk. What is being exposed about Twitter right now has the potential to destroy that company as it exists now all on its own. And I think it's becoming clearer by the day that perhaps that's what Elon Musk set out to do in the first place. I will be back tomorrow at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns don't work. They lied to you about a pandemic. And Joe Biden will never be president. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm your moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'm your moderator.substack.com. The merch site is cancelcouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofa. Go to ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon down on the range. It's hell!